that's our job. Our job is to is to create experiences which make it easy and simple for people to enjoy without having to worry about anything else. Hello and welcome to Safe Travels. I am your host, Damien. The Safe Travels podcast is about finding expert advice so that you can enjoy worry-free travel. You have just heard my guest, Ben Van Leeuwarden. Ben is a part of the team at Planet Chopper, which organizes and leads motorcycle tours in the US, New Zealand, and India. Now, this show is not for everyone. It's a little bit different, but if it is for you, you kind of know it's for you. It's about bikes, it's about choppers, Harleys, and they do really amazing tours, and he has a lot of tips for us. So if it's not for you, maybe you can send it to a Harley rider in your life. But again, he'll talk about their amazing guided tours, what you need to prepare, which is not much. They do most of the work. Tips for making it an amazing experience, and a little bit about their guardian angel on the road. It's a great support system. Show notes are available. Go to our Twitter feed, Safe Travels FM. Please enjoy. Ben, thanks a lot for joining today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Would you mind introducing yourself to the audience? Tell them a little bit about what you do and what you're up to. Sure. So my name is Ben Van Leeuwarden. I'm from Auckland, New Zealand. I started Planet Chopper, which is a motorcycle tour business with my father and two of our friends from the US. Uh, so we host tours in the USA, New Zealand, and also India. I manage the business, so I do all of our social media, all the emailing and stuff like that. And I also plan the itineraries for all of our trips. Over in New Zealand, I'm the guide as well as in India. And in the US, I'm the sweep rider for our motorcycle tours. That's great. So you do a lot of different tours. Uh, right now, Sturgis is taking place in uh, Sturgis, South Dakota. So it's a very timely topic. So this is great. I'd love to just learn a bit more about what people do on these trips and how they work and some concerns people might have when they're thinking about doing it. And we'll hear your, your take on that. So can you just describe maybe a typical client who do you usually have go on your tours and let's let's stick to the u.s just to to kind of narrow it down sure so i suppose that our typical rider would sort of be in the baby boomer category people looking to do the dream trip whether that's from canada or america usually they have you know this idea in their head for a long time and it's just about sort of taking the leap i suppose in terms of the demographic i, I don't think there actually is that much of a specific character that we have is young people and old people, men, women. We get, you know, father and sons. We get husband and wives. In terms of that, it's a it's a wide range of people. But the the common denominator is that people are looking to do something that they've had in their mind for a while, and that they want something arranged for them so that they can do it. Okay, that was my next question. Is that what makes this so appealing? Is that they might have envisioned a trip like this, but it gets overwhelming thinking about the route and where to stay and how to make everything work logistically, whereas you're offering a, a package deal that provides everything. Is that a big part of it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that it's a bit daunting to have two or three weeks ahead of you in terms of the hotel and, you know, if you encounter breakdowns and, and I guess also maximizing your time on the trip is sort of something that people look for as well. So when we sort of craft our itineraries, we're always making sure that we're doing the best and most enjoyable ride that we can in that specific time frame. So sometimes, you know, there's certain places we don't go because we know that that takes us off course. And we also want to sort of balance that by having, you know, rest days and, and cool towns and stuff like that. So for instance, on our Route 66 tour, we have two rest days in Santa Fe, a beautiful place to, to look around and also sort of a midway point for one of our tours. So yeah, it's definitely the convenience of, of having everything done for you and having that peace of mind that if something does go awry that, you know, we can we can basically tie it all together and make sure that the wheels keep rolling. Right. Yeah. And that experience of knowing that you, you should plan in a rest day, you should just some insights from experience from doing it. I'm sure that's very helpful. 
So like experience level, what's the range there? Is it from novice to longtime riders with their own bikes? What, what's the range? I, I suppose that we're open to, to all riders. There's, there's not really any obstructions in terms of people's ability or, or how long they've been riding. I guess the main thing is just is just having a good attitude towards the trip. You know, naturally, when when we travel, things can go awry, but making sure that you know you just take it as a part of the experience is, is always something that works well. And our motorcycles are bigger. Usually, we have choppers and bobbers and you know Harley Davidsons and and bikes with a bit of weight. So having some experience on that does help. But we we cater to everyone. We want everyone to to enjoy these trips. And what's the typical group size? We limit it to 15 motorcycles. Anything bigger than that can sort of distort the group dynamics a bit, I guess. So yeah, usually around 15 motorcycles. Okay. And are, are they typically fairly full? Is that is that pretty average, 10 to 15? Yeah, yeah. So usually if it's outside of the main sort of holiday period, then it can be a bit less, but typically running around 10 to 15 motorcycles. Okay. So what are some general things in preparing for something like this? If it's If it's been on your mind and people have maybe heard about a, an organized tour like this, what should they start thinking of as far as preparation? Yeah, I suppose I've already mentioned it about, about the motorcycles. So just being comfortable on, on a larger motorcycle is usually going to be beneficial because the bikes in our fleet are mostly larger. And I suppose other than that, yeah, it's just really about committing to the experience. These trips, usually two weeks long. So in terms of preparation, you know, we take care care of everything, I suppose. And it's more up to our riders to just be ready to attack it, you know, and to enjoy right. it. Yeah. Like you say, come with the right attitude because a lot of the details are taken care of. But 14 days on a trip on a bike can be taxing. So they need to come with the right mindset. Exactly. Exactly yeah. right. So then how about gear? What, what should they have in mind for a special gear? I guess... The most essential thing is wet weather gear. A lot of our trips, you know, go across six, seven or eight states. So we do encounter different climates and occasionally we're going to get some wet weather and, you know, no one likes to ride getting soaked and then and then having to bear with that for the rest of the day. So wet weather gear is important. Regardless of, of what price point you go for, you, you are going to get a little bit wet and it is going to be a bit uncomfortable. But generally, we tell people to purchase gear that's on the high quality end of the spectrum just because that makes it a bit, a bit easier for people. And then likewise for the, the riding gear, as I said, we're going through different climates. So we generally don't ride in leather just because it gets hot, obviously, when you're heading out to the West Coast or through the central states. So having both of those ready to go is, is really important. And then I guess the other things are just items that you should be bringing along for a trip anyway, having a camera and making sure it's charged. GoPros look great these days in terms of the quality. So I think riding gear is, is the most essential thing. And then usually we cover everything else. So if people need to rent clothes or they would like a, you know an extra bag on their on their motorcycle then we can provide that okay and as far as gear is there a vehicle that follows with with mechanical gear and your personal belongings or is that all on the bike yes so we have a support vehicle that has a mechanic in it and also sort of like a secondary guide uh, and then we also have a spare motorcycle and spare parts so 
if anything happens, if there's a breakdown or if someone wants their bike modified slightly to make them more comfortable, then that can all be done via the support vehicle. So can you give just a little glimpse into maybe a typical day? Like, so how would a day work where you get up and you, you ride and, and you kind of get your destination? Can you walk us through that? We get up in the morning. We always love to have a big breakfast. Uh, Waffle House is usually our, our company choice, I suppose. And we tend to stop every one and a half hours so that people don't get too tired. Depending on where we are, we'll probably stop two or three times for popular attractions. For instance, on the Route 66 tour, there's a few places out west where you know we're going to stop two, three, sometimes even four times a day just to take in the attractions and, and learn about the history of the spots as well. So we, we don't rush the experience each day unless we have to. Sometimes there's obviously parts of the trip where we just need to get somewhere and you know we're heading towards a popular destination and the bits in between aren't so appealing. So that does happen, but generally our trips are created so that each day is you know rich with experiences. And so usually we stop around 1 p.m. for lunch. And the main thing that's sort of standard for each day is that we always arrive to our destination before it gets dark. Okay. So how many miles would you say you do a day on average? I guess that varies by trip. We have a few trips that are more easygoing, I suppose. If it's a cross-country trip like Sturgis or Route 66, then it's between 200 to 300 miles. But generally, we try. We sort of have a standard limit, I suppose, of 250 miles. We find that that's sort of the sweet spot where we don't want to go too far above that because then people can start getting tired and stuff. Right. And you say you get in by dark, so then you have hotels or lodging arranged for people. Is that all set up so they just go right into rooms or do they check in like normal and, and head off to where they're going? Exactly. So we we kind of have our, our groups more like a family, I suppose. So we do basically everything together unless people want the freedom to, to ride alone or check in themselves. But usually we do everything as a group. So when we arrive to our hotel, everyone has their room keys ready for them straight away. And, you know, we already have existing relationship with hotels and stuff so that it's, it's, it's a comfortable experience, basically. It's, it's, it's a smooth experience where we take care of everything beforehand and all that people have to do is, is enjoy themselves. Okay. So then you mentioned the support vehicle a little bit. So I was going to ask about safety on the road, breakdowns and stuff like that. How often does something like that happen? So I guess that also kind of varies by trip and, you know, there are some circumstances where we could get unlucky and have, you know, two or even three breakdowns in trip. But generally speaking, we prepare the bikes very well before the tours and we also have our mechanic check the bikes every single trip to make sure that they're in perfect running condition. And then myself and the guide, we have a radio on our helmet. So I'm at the back and the guide's at the front. And so we can see what everyone's doing on the road. And, you know, we can also try and look out to see if there's anything happen with the motorcycles. And then the support vehicle is also connected to our radio system. So the three of us kind of work together to make sure that everyone's safe and that the bikes are running well. And, you know, in the instance that someone is breaking down or they do need to pull over for whatever reason, then we sort of use the support vehicle to block traffic. And that's also very useful in wet weather conditions. I guess the support vehicle is kind of like a guardian angel because, you know, as I said, it carries the spare parts and the spare motorcycle. So we always keep the wheels rolling no matter what. And we're always got all eyes on, on every rider to make sure that they're safe and, and following along with our briefing each day. Yeah, that's a good way to put it with the support vehicle when you think of all the 
all of the support that it offers, just having spare parts, even a spare bike, that's impressive and a mechanic. Sure, exactly. And then it can also be used, you know, if someone's not feeling well or, or they don't feel like riding that day, they can, we can just put the bike in, in the trailer and they, they can hop in the support truck if they want. Sometimes people want some air conditioning when it gets hot as well. So it's there for that too. Right, if they need to take a little break. Exactly. So what are, so what are some of the common mistakes that riders make that you can help them avoid. Even seasoned riders uh, make some mistakes, but certainly on a trip like this, I think a, a long journey is different than a weekend, you know, just a day trip or something like that. Can you share any common mistakes that people make? Sure. So we ride in a staggered formation. So it's left, right, left, right, and two seconds behind the bike in front of you. And that way we make sure that there's plenty of room to stop if we if we need to you know, slow down for whatever reason. It also means that when we're you know going through curvy roads, for instance, we ride the tail of the dragon, it also makes sure that you know we're riding as a cohesive unit rather than individuals. And that ensures the safety of the group as a whole. And also because we have a sweep rider, it means that that sweep rider is always in view of how everyone is positioned. So, and, and also the support vehicle too. So we always see how people are positioned and we always enforce the rule that you need to be two seconds behind the rider in front of you and you need to be on the other side of the lane. So I suppose in terms of common mistakes, it would just be people that aren't adhering to that rule. And in terms of avoiding it, you know, we'll speak to people at the next gas station or that evening and just say, hey, we saw that you were a little bit out of position. Do you mind, you know, coming back into your spot just so that we, we all stay safe? And, you know, we've never had any issues on the road because we do, you know, implement that system. So that's how it okay. works with us. Yeah. And you mentioned a sweep rider. What's that? So the sweep rider is basically the last person, you know, the furthest back. And that's going to be one of our team members for our USA tours. That's usually me. So I'll be the last rider in the group. And then, as I said, I have, uh, it's usually Wayne, our business partner, Wayne. He's at the front guiding. And sometimes we also have a middle rider as well. And that way, you know, when we're riding, you can see everyone in the group, how they're positioned. And then there's also comms between the back rider and the front rider to make sure that everyone's safe, everyone's on the road. We also have a call if someone needs to go to the toilet, they can just put their hand up and then we all move off as a group. So for somebody thinking about this, are, are there any common myths or misconceptions about a trip like this that you can help dispel? Nothing comes to mind in terms of common assumptions. I, I suppose the main thing is that, you know, in the modern world, we're very time poor. So we put a lot of pressure on expenses like this to be the absolute best. And there's a lot of options for people in these experiences as well. And I suppose we've created our tours in a way that it's a nod to an earlier time where, you know, the open road and camaraderie, sort of the only thing on the agenda, you know, it's simple fun. Yeah, we want people to switch off and feel the the power of places they may have never seen or, or always dreamed about. And that, that's our job. Our job is to is to create experiences which make it easy and simple for people to enjoy without having to worry about anything else. People that ride probably don't have this myth in their mind, but there is a myth behind just bikers in general, the general appearance and behavior and stuff like that. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always funny, actually, this common experience, because, you know, most bikers actually have this you know, conversation where it's funny because usually bikers are, are very sweet and quite sort of gentle people, which is completely counterintuitive to this to this common theme of bikers being rough and, and mean and stuff. Of course, 
there are, are people that are like that, but it's the same for, for any subculture, I suppose. And on our tours, we, we try and create a family out of the people that come along. We generally have people from all around the world and a lot of our riders end up becoming very close friends and we look out for each other on the road and we're taking care of each other. So it's, it's a bit uh, against the grain of that conception, I suppose. Yeah. Do solo people come and join the group or is it usually groups of friends that make up your, your group of 15? Like I said, it's quite hard to pick the sort of typical rider. We do get solo people coming through and, and couples and, and friends also. I guess for friends, it's a bit easier to take a big trip like this because, you know, you're in it together. So, so maybe there's less solo riders, but we still have a few of them coming through and, and you know, they enjoy it just as much because they end up becoming a part of, of the group of the family as well and, and have just as much fun or more fun than the friends who come along too. And then can you just provide any final tips for planning something like this? It's, it's a hard one, I guess, Damien, because I guess that's my job to, to make sure that I've planned everything. For people looking to do this, I mean... It's just about committing to the experience and, and you know you want to do it and, and, and take the leap and see what becomes of it. And do you do any sort of custom tours if somebody had a, a, an idea for something that you don't necessarily have packaged? Is that something that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So recently we've had a few requests to do an Easy Rider tour based off the, the cult classic and we took a group along with us to do that and it was just a private group and they had an absolute blast. So now that's going to become one of our full-time tours but we're always open to custom groups especially people that you know have a, a friend that's having a birthday or anything along that nature where it's a, a special gift for someone then, then we're open to doing that all around right. the world yeah well that's great I, certainly a little bit different for this podcast to talk about uh, bike trips but i think it's a, a glimpse into it there's certainly some people out there that are thinking about something like this or, or maybe they didn't know that it existed so i appreciate you joining where can people find you online? Where should we send them? Sure. So on Facebook and Instagram, you can just type in Planet Chopper. And then our website is planetchopper.world. That's fantastic. Thanks again for joining. Thank you so much for your time, Damien. I appreciate it. I hope you have enjoyed our talk with Ben. Again, not for everybody. I think it's a really cool idea, though, these guided tours. If you're not a biker or you don't know what a biker and you just listen to the whole thing, that's pretty cool. You learn something new. Otherwise, you can send it to a friend. And speaking of that, I have the usual favor to ask. Maybe you can help get the word out about the show. Ratings and reviews always help. You can send an episode to a friend. You can mention it to somebody. My goal is to help people with safe travels, with worry-free travel. And the more people that can listen to the show, the better. So thanks again. Hope you enjoyed listening. Safe travels.